With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Well, way back before I was a big-time podcaster at The Volume, uh, I was a rookie beat writer 24 years old, working for a now-defunct newspaper called the Sacramento Union, (laughs) covering one of the greatest football teams, if not the greatest of all time, the 1989 San Francisco 49ers. I got thrown in. I wore a giant uh, straw hat at training camp. I was nicknamed Huck Finn and uh, was a complete idiot, didn't know what I was doing at all. And some very nice people there took took pity on me, including the quarterback. You did upgrade to a nice leather looking hat at one point. (laughs) That see that this is why. So Joe Montana, he's done a few things on the football field, but people don't understand the recall um, that he has. And that's an incredible note. I did start out with a ridiculous straw hat. There were a series of them. They got bigger. I was like full sombrero. This is in Rockland (laughs) where it was very hot. I did actually go leather, and uh, and you were often wearing a helmet, though not always. Yeah, yeah, you can tell by my <laughs> hair today. Yeah. <laughs> and I do, I do actually vividly remember the first time that we ever talked up in Rockland. Uh, you would go to the pool between practices, which was behind the locker room. Yeah, and uh, I'd be screwing around, going off the high dive, you know, and we we, uh, <laughs> we were able to have conversations that weren't like. Hey, on that third and seven throw, uh, were you trying to throw to uh, to Jerry? And uh, it was good. So how are you, man? Good to have you. Good. good. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Everything's going good. Looking looking forward to um, the big game coming up. And 
Um, everything's going good. Looking for a new granddaughter, a grandson on the way now. It's coming up here in the next few weeks. Awesome. So be number three. And yeah, it's just been fun down here. Um, you know, watching these guys hit the golf ball like I wish I could. Here in <laughs> you're, you're down at Pebble Beach, the epicenter yeah. of the golf world right now. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Amazing. Uh, I have so many topics to get into. Um, I will start with the Super Bowl because you brought it up. Um, you are, you know, of course, so much of your career was associated with the 49ers, but you are a proud former Kansas City Chief as well. Um, is it easier for you when they're not playing each other and you can just go gung-ho for the Chiefs? I just wear red when they play each other, right? And then who you vote for? I got my red on, right? It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it would, it's always fun to see them play each other. That would be great. Um, you know, how bad it was for the 49ers with all the injuries, like in that game, all of a sudden, uh, didn't even, didn't even have a shot. And um, I think I could, th- could have thrown, some passes better than Purdy at that point in time when they threw him back in the game after Josh got a concussion. <laughs> I might not have been able to avoid the rush, but <laughs> I feel like you could have probably thrown slants. Yeah, you know. I thrown a couple of things. I actually was throwing balls. What we were we were doing an event, me and Steve Bono and JT John Taylor. We were in the Pasadena in the Rose Bowl doing an event, playing this thing called catch a pass. So we were throwing passes. And we, we said, okay, we're only coming. We got to put the game on. And they put it up on the Jumbotron. And so we got to watch the game while we were doing this up on the Jumbotron in the Rose Bowl. So um, it was, you know, hey, Bones can still throw it. Not, not so much about me, but Bones, Bones was playing it. Yeah, and for people who remember the, uh, the late 80s, uh, John Taylor catching passes in Southern California probably brings back some Bad PTSD for, <laughs> for Ram fans. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, football's not like every other sport. Um, you Even now, when the rules have been changed drastically, but even now you can cleanly knock out the quarterback of the other team. And if it's in an elimination game, that usually helps your chances yeah. of victory uh, uh, greatly. Um, you know, you obviously experienced that twice in playoff games. Uh, we'll take them one at a time since we're going down yeah. memory lane. In 1986, you're playing the New York Giants at the Meadowlands. Your future teammate, Jim Burt, uh, <laughs> hit, you, hit you right up in here. And then I think your head hit the frozen AstroTurf. Yeah. yeah. Not it's fun. so weird. It's just how, how funny, like one little thing really um, triggers a concussion like that. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, it, you look at it and you watch it and you go, Oh, it didn't look like he hit it that hard, but it's weird. If you hit it in the right spot, it's, it's got, you're done. And, and out you go. And, you know, they didn't, you know, I probably could have gone to the sidelines at some point and come, tried to come back in like they did back then. But you know, nowadays, as soon as that happens, you know, you're done. See so, ya. Yeah. Do you remember it? I don't remember. I remember the hit part of it. And then after that, I don't. Um, from that point until some point in the, in the ambulance um, that before we got to, to the x-rays and stuff um, is when I finally started remembering things. 
and then you heard the score and your head probably started hurting even more. It's oh, yeah, absolutely. A- <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the pass I threw was picked off and run back for a touchdown, too, is what they said. Man. So really what I saw. Did you and Jim ever – you guys are both so funny and you were on the t- team to go – did you ever joke around about it? Yeah, no, but you know what? If you look at the hit, it wasn't a vicious hit. It wasn't like he was – it wasn't like he took me down into the ground and tried to plant me. And then he just hit me and I got off balance. And when the quarterbacks were stupid in some cases, they call you smart, but we always want to watch the dang throw. Right? <laughs> so you try to keep your head up. And then what happens is your body hits and then your head is still looking up. And then as your body hits, then your head goes, whoa, and it gets a whiplash into, into what the turf. And so now that's all that happened. And yeah, I didn't hold anything against Jim at all. No, we laughed about it a bunch of times. And um, in fact, even with him and even with with Sims and Parcel too, same thing. We laugh about it all the time. <laughs> um, the, I, I'm not such a fan of the other one. So in 1990, uh, I'll set the scene for you young ones. Uh, Joe had just won his second regular season MVP, I think in a row. Um, he had won the two previous Super Bowls, was coming off maybe the greatest performance in Super Bowl history before or since. And the 49ers were the number one seed hosting the NFC Championship game, trying to win three in a row, which has never been done against the Giants. Great rivalry and had had an epic regular season game. Uh, you threw a touchdown to John Taylor, um, put the 49ers ahead. It was a very tight game. Um, and then I'll, I can still picture it looking down at candlestick letter Marshall, uh, came off the blind side and, uh, why don't you take it from there? Yeah. You know, it was so funny. I got flushed out of the pocket and to my right. And I, the funny thing was, is I just dodged LT, right? So, I, and I see Jerry down the field and I, as I, I stepped to, to throw the ball, Leonard Marshall was coming. He was playing the other defensive end. And so he had come at a full speed rush. And I basically backed up right into him coming full speed. And and he hit me. And then he had it, he had his hand in my hand. And when we hit the ground, it just kind of ripped back on my hand and, and ended up breaking my hand in that. But um, yeah, it, I mean, if you can get the quarterbacks out of the games, you know, he, he still even today, it makes a big difference. Yes. I, I mean, that's that's always I remember you telling me because people didn't really know about the hand part. You had a sternum thing and a chest thing and, uh, you know, you looked miserable. You'd been hit really, really hard. But just yeah, to- I, yeah I, I, had, I my chest hurt so bad from being compressed into the ground because I tore some li- some ligaments in the in my sternum area and that I didn't even know my hand was broken. That's what that's what bad it hurt. I mean, yeah. And so letter Marshall just as just to make sure had the hand going down and decided to uh, put his hand yeah. on the scale. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, and that's a crazy thing. Cause Steve Young would have started that Super Bowl. Uh, of course, LT forced a fumble or recovered a fumble forced by Eric Howard at the end. They got a field goal and uh, well, okay. That brings us to our next topic, which is um, also related to the last 49er game that was played. Uh, the elbow. So uh, I hate to do this to you, but uh, Brock Purdy just tore the ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow after the hit from Hassan Reddick. There's a lot of talk about uh, it might be six months. Uh, you have way too much experience with elbow injuries and, and absences. 
uh, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I tore my, I tore my pronator off. So it's not as bad as that. And so they, they re just reattach that. And anytime you're doing the ligaments and that, it, and if, if I don't know if that's the exact Tommy John injury, because I don't know of that, but from, you know, when you get into something where you're putting that much stress on your elbow all the time, as a baseball pitcher does, or as a quarterback does, you know, you, that ligament takes a lot of brunt and it, it I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback get hit to where they, where they tore that ligament. So it's kind of a freaky accident to happen. But from my understanding, you know, they're, they're saying that if it is, and while medicine's gotten a lot better and rehab, they still say that he may not even make next year. So now it puts the four hours in, in kind of a strange predicament, uh, you know, with the other two guys. Yeah, it really does. Um, we'll get to that in a sec. Cause I, I want to stay on the elbow. So for people who, weren't aware uh, in training camp in 1991 coming off that second MVP in a row um, you suffered your elbow injury yeah. uh, ended up having surgery and missed the entire season I think what, what compounded that Mike was I had you know, the season before or two seasons before I had had tendonitis on the elbow so I was getting shots before every game and Whoa. so that that cortisone, they say, just eventually tears down the, the, the tendon or the ligament or ligaments or whatever. And it got to the tendon that held that to the bone. And I was just playing catch at training camp with, I remember Dave Waymer, who I played with another day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And right before in one of the started uh, one of the practices in, in uh, training camp, and it just, I just felt something go. And every time I threw, I could, it wasn't, I could feel it wasn't right. And then, so they went and did a little check on it, and yeah, it tore it all the way off the bone. And um, I'll never forget. So you missed the entire season. The 49ers ended up rallying and went ten and six, but did not make the playoffs. Had a had a rough year. Uh, uh, our buddy Steve Bono had some really nice moments in relief yeah. of Steve Young. Um, Steve Young won the passing title, um, and so the next year, coming back to training camp. It was kind of being talked about as a competition, although, you know, it was always weird with you guys. And uh, I'll never forget the day in Rockland when you came off during a practice and you did not look happy at all. And uh, something had happened to the elbow again. Yeah, we thought we had taken care of it initially. And what it, when they did that, they stapled the they drill holes in your bone and then they push the uh, the tendon first they had to sew it back together then they push it back through the hole in the bone then they staple it on the back and one of the staples was every time i threw would zing my hand like like you hit like a funny bone on your elbow you know how you get that that's what would happen every time i threw so they went in to take that staple out and while they were taking the staple out they accidentally hit the owner nerve and deadened my hand. So these two fingers, I had no grip strength, so I couldn't hold on to the ball. So, and that's what really took me longer than anything to come back was that part of the injury, not so much the injury itself. And <laughs> they were trying to fix, you know, that little, take that zing out of there. But, uh, um, 
Yeah. And then it took a while to come back after that. Yeah. Cause I hear the word older with Purdy and I, I remember the older nerve. That's how I learned what yeah. it was. And, uh, so, okay. So he, Joe ends up missing the entire 92 season, but back then you could come off IR, uh, seamlessly. And, uh, at the end of the season, the 49ers were the number one seed and had cl- had clinched it, and they were going to play one last Monday night game at home that didn't mean anything to the Niners. Uh, Bill Musgrave, who they was a young quarterback and they wanted to hold on to, uh, they decided to give him arthroscopic surgery on his knee that may or may not have been <laughs> medically necessary. Uh, I think Bill would probably say was maybe pushing it a little bit in terms of, <laughs> but uh, be that as it may, the, the kind of the world knew that you were going to play the second half. Uh, Steve Young, who was the MVP that year, uh, played the first half and the second half you came out and, you know, one of the most chilling moments ever at Candlestick, because if nothing else, you know, these people that you had brought so much pleasure to were going to say goodbye. Um, and you came in, you threw a touchdown pass, you, you looked like you, and then you threw one more at the end that, you know, uh, the offensive coordinator at the time has told me the story uh, about how George Seifert, the head coach, was not happy that uh, a run had been changed to a pass. That coordinator was Mike Shanahan. Shanahan yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who was happy, like 65,000 people. 65,001 or two. What do you remember? Did George get mad at you or just mad at Mike? I think he just got mad at Mike. You could see him throw down the headsets on the sideline video because uh, he was upset. But, you know, I thank Mike. Every time I see Mike, I thank him again over and over for – Changing that to a pass. <laughs> what? what uh, just for for people who might not understand the backdrop, why would George have been mad that his quarterback threw a touchdown pass? He didn't really want me to leave, but he didn't want me to play. So, if you throw one touchdown, you know you should. It's okay. Yeah, it makes sense in a quarter and a half. But if you're throwing two in the game. You know, even though you, we knew it didn't mean a lot to us, it meant a lot to me. And it, it also still meant a lot to the team in, in Detroit, you know, those guys. So um, it was just a big difference for me when I went to go other places to have, a, you know, a video that showed that, you know, we were not only did I throw one, but I threw two and, you know, could have thrown a couple more probably if <laughs> played play more of the game, but it is what it is. And I thank Mike all the time. Was your arm all the way back? Because I know, you know, those two years in Kansas city, you were really, really good. You got to the conference right. championship game. You got back to the playoffs. What was oh, your no. arm? It back? was back. It was back. I don't either. Like we're somewhere around halfway through the season. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I just never got a chance to get back on the field. Interesting. Okay, so uh, I've never really talked to you about this, but one of the weird things is that so now it's the 1992 playoffs. Um, Steve Young is quarterbacking in the playoffs for the first time. It's a big deal. Um, but you were the backup. You were standing right there, including that famous 92 NFC Championship game against the Cowboys uh, with, you know, doing whatever backups do. But 
I mean, it, it, that's a really weird thing. It wasn't like, oh, Joe's not healthy. You were you. Were you. Um, what was that experience like for you in that Dallas um, game? It, it was hard in, in ways because, you know, if, if that would have been switched, they'd take me out, right? And instead, they continue to let him play, and I never, ever got a chance again to get back on, on the field because I don't think he wanted me to – see that I might be able to do something else, you know, against the Cowboys, but that's just my feeling. Um, but, you know, you look at the games where in playoff games where I got taken out of where I, we were behind games a lot, a lot of times where we come back to win late in games. So why do you, why do you take me out? Um, so it's just hard to understand the whole situation was, was kind of crazy once Bill left. It's a great point because in 1987, uh, the you guys were the number one seed. You played the Vikings at home, and it was um, not your not a great day for a- anyone on the team at the time. And they had a great pass rush, and um, you did ultimately get taken out of that game. That was Steve's first year, and, and I, I think people who freak out right these in this era about quarterback awkwardness and controversies. I don't. I want you to understand. We have Joe here, who is the best who's ever done it, and we have Steve Young, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, on the same team for six years. Six years. Yeah, it was hard. Like in 80, Eighty-seven too. The hard part about eighty-seven, I could, you can understand a little bit, maybe, but that's the year I came back from my back surgery. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they thought something else was going on. I was. I weighed about. A buck eighty-five. <laughs> so I remember our offensive line coach Bob McKittrick was begging the offensive lineman, "Don't everybody gets fined a hundred bucks if somebody hits him." <laughs> it was uh, I miss I miss Bob McKittrick. So the famous uh, the famous game in Philly in '89, which was the third regular season game I ever covered where you got sacked six times in the first half and I think eight overall and uh, came back from uh, way down against the Eagles and won. But there's a the famous story is the offensive linemen are waiting to get just reamed out because they keep, you keep getting hit. <laughs> and Bob gathers them around and he uh, he looks at them and says, hey, if, any of, if anybody knows any prayers, if you know the Lord's Prayer, you might want to say it now. And he looks at Harris Barton, who's Jewish, and says, and Harris, if you know any Jewish prayers, you might want to say those too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was, he, was fun. he was fun to be around. He was, there was only one of those. Oh, no doubt. Um, yeah. You went through um, the elbow thing and ultimately were the same. We're hoping that Brock Purdy, when he's back, whether it's six months like they're hoping or a year, is looks like he did in these eight games, nine games. What do the 49ers do? Because before that championship game, it was going to be Purdy next year yeah. on a rookie contract. And Trey Lance probably would have hung around and been the backup or if, unless they got a great trade mm-hmm. offer. But what do you do if you're them now? Well, I start Jimmy. I mean, if you look at how many games has Jimmy won? I mean, I, I, you know, for the longest time, yeah, the questions were out with Jimmy for a while. But um, the 
one thing he's been able to do is win games for those guys. And yeah, he'll make a mistake here and there, but you know, some of those things, you know, I don't just put on Jimmy, like you don't call a seven step drop on from two yard line and put him back there in the back of that end zone. And the minute you feel pressure as a quarterback, the first thing you're going to do is your first step is going to be try to retreat. to make room. And, and it happens, happened to almost everybody that you stepped out of the back of the end zone, but don't put him there. Right. And, and yeah, he made a crazy throw and mistake in, in the playoff game a couple of years ago, but he has won a lot of games. I can't say the same for Trey, right? You don't know that from him. So I think you got to, I, you know, this is me. I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't go down there. I don't hang around down there. So this is just my thoughts. You, you start the guy who's won all the games for you, right? You got to figure out the, you know, the backup situation with Trey is Trey know the offense well enough, or is he meant for that offense or not? And I think that's the biggest decision they have, but me, I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard. I think you just start Jimmy. Well, the only, the hard part is that Jimmy has a no franchise tag clause and he's a free agent. So you got to really show him the love uh, to try to get him back. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You, know, but I think I think when you when they started trade, I think that was that was a test of Trey, not of Jimmy. You know, unfortunately, you know, for Jimmy getting hurt, you know, he he still won a lot of games before he got hurt, right? And so he put him in that position to be able to go to go on that run to begin with. So I I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see an issue with it myself, but that's just me and nothing against Trey, but he just doesn't have the game experience underneath them to have. And they got a good team. They had a good defense. They got a good off. I mean, you're not, you're, you handed a guy, a team sort of like somebody else I know got handed a good team. <laughs> so uh, other than two and 14 when I got, so um, they, uh, you just, you know, you got to go with the guy who's been winning the games and, and gets the offense and, you know, go from there. Uh, <laughs> so let's go back to, you know, you and Bill Walsh took the game to a different level with the, you know, the early West Coast offense stuff. And, um, you know, you guys went through a lot together. And in 1988, he was alternating you and Steve in in one game he did it he did it alternating starts at times and you know it, it was hard on you guys um, i know you guys were very very close later um how hard was it to stay you know in a good place with bill as all that was going on well, it was it was really hard i mean there was like there was no real reason to be what was going on was going on other than they were trying to appease Steve somehow. And the game's not about appeasing people, right? You know, yeah, he came in later on and played well, but that, that doesn't take away from what I had already done and was doing and can, can, and continue to do still after that. And that was the hardest part on me was, you know, I can understand everybody's going to have a bad year, but do you pull somebody because you have a bad up, up and down season? Everybody goes through that. I mean, take a look around the league. Look at Aaron Rodgers, 
Brady, I mean, you can, you can pick them all out, right? And, and say, look, not a good year, not a good year, not a good year. Do, do you come back if they're on the same team? Do they not start? Absolutely, they start. But um, it's just, it was just a weird situation that whole time. And it was just hard to stay focused as much as you want because a lot of it made you play differently than what you normally play because you, you tried to do things that you wouldn't normally do like in a game. Um, so that yeah, was weird, but this is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I remember after the 1990 season, um, obviously before you hurt the elbow, uh, George Seifert had announced a plan to give Steve, maybe he hadn't announced it, but it had been reported that there was a plan to give Steve Young some designated starts in the 91 season. I didn't know what that meant, but imagine. He was going to get to play all the easy teams. I was going to have to play all the tough ones. (laughs) I didn't do it. He's going to come out looking great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pl- fighting my butt off to win tough games. And 
yeah, I don't go, how is that fair when I just had one of the best seasons I'd had? And I said, statistically, what, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me because I could understand if I had a bad year and you were you're thinking about it, but it was his contract was up and they were trying to keep him. That was the only reason. He got I, and he told me that. That's what he, oh, he, that's what George told you. Yeah, George told me that. I, I'll never forget. So I have this vivid memory. It, it was mini camp and I, I feel like it was 89 and it was my first year. So I, it really was one of my first days ever at the facility in Santa Clara. And what had happened was uh, the 49ers had tried to cut the salaries and maybe successfully cut the salaries of three esteemed veteran players. I believe it was Keita Turner, Eric Wright, uh, Jim Fonhorst, maybe. Um, And Ronnie Lott, the great, your great friend and one of the great players in history, uh, didn't take it well. And he boycotted the first day of minicamp and uh, to show his displeasure. And so um, there was a big media thing outside the locker room. And uh, afterwards, and I didn't really, you know, I was very new. I didn't know off the record, on the record, or like if we were ever going to have real conversations. And uh, I was just kind of hanging around. And uh, I remember talking to Ronnie and Ronnie said, you know what, man, this business is so effed. He's like, they're going to they're going to do it to me someday, too. And I and I said, they're not going to do it to you. You know, you're running lot. There's no way. And you walk by and you go and they're going to F me, too, someday. And I was like, yeah, right. And then sure enough, <laughs> three years later, there, uh, Joe Montana traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, it, it taught me a lot. Yeah, no, it's crazy with some of the things they try to do and you know, they think because they can get away with to try to keep people and um, guys, especially they know wanted to stay with the team. But, but you know, I mean, look at Keenan. Keenan was a huge and, and he, right? I don't know. Was that before or after E's injury? I think it was. Because um, I know. I think, I think he was playing still in 89, but then yeah. maybe, maybe the. It happened yeah. after that, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was one of my wife's second favorite player. Well, it might be first, was he? <laughs> so. I, you, well, I'll tell you, she has great taste because, um, so full disclosure, I grew up a 49er fan in L.A. And uh, I may or may not have been, you know, super, super happy when I was 16 years old and they had that incredible season and won the first Super Bowl and all that. And, and so I was a, I was a huge E. Wright fan you know, because he, he had this knack for getting to the man right as the football mm-hmm. arrived. If you remember, he's the real reason we didn't lose to the Cowboys the day after the catch with his save, touchdown saving tackle. Everybody forgets about that. Even the Cowboy fans forget about that. I, re- I remember it hauntingly, but it, it, they had just outlawed tearaway jerseys, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, he just would not let go of Drew Pearson. And then... <laughs> The next play, Pillars forces the fumble, Stucky recovers, and then you're going like this. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I talk about how people were nice to me back when I was clueless. Eric was all, you know, he's from East St. Louis, very tough, tough neighborhood. And he used to say, Silver, where you from? You ain't got no dog in you. You ain't got no dog in you. (laughs) And for five years, it was this running joke until 
that day in 1994, you were gone when I came to a mini camp practice and I was like, I'm from Brentwood. We got double homicides. We got bloody glasses. <laughs> and, you know, I was yelling it around the locker room and everyone knew the joke because it had been five years of it. And uh, <laughs> I was like, We're, I'm hard, E. But, uh, yeah, no, Eric, uh, one of the unsung heroes, you know, he won four Super Bowls. He was a, yep. a rookie in 1981, great starter. And, uh, and as you know, a complete, uh, complete character. Um, oh, yeah, love it. You played with another one of my favorite humans um, in Kansas City, Derek Thomas, who, oh yeah, you know the late great Hall of Famer and and probably the social coordinator of the entire NFL at that point. Uh, what a what a what a great oh, player, great. dude! You know what? That was a that was another really we we should have won a Super Bowl there easily, but you know we we screwed up late in the season and we ended up losing a game we should have won. And instead of playing Buffalo and in Buffalo, that game cost us home field advantage. And we would have put, it was 50 degrees and sunshine in Kansas city. We'd already beaten Buffalo earlier in the year oh. and we had to go up there to play. And I didn't know you could do things, certain things with balls. I had to try. Um, because I could not throw the ball from here to the window over there. It, so it you so felt bad. you felt a little deflated out there, like yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> this is amazing. So, and did you get knocked out of that game? If I recall, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's another one you got knocked was that out. One? I'm pretty sure it was that one. Yeah, because I covered your last one. The yeah, next that was year. that was the one. Where I I got tackled to the side, and when I was going down, I hit my head on. Um, Bruce Smith's knee and hit me right in the temple. And i you know, concussions usually don't, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't ever remember feeling one except for that one. It felt like a lightning bolt went across my head and I was like, Oh my God. I don't, I've never felt anything like that. And that's kind of what made me retire after the next year. You know, after, um, I, during that whole year, I was, all I was thinking about was my health and the kids and being able to play with them and, Still had 27 surgeries in the end, but, but, you know, I still could do a little bit of things and, um, at that point in time, but yeah, that, that, uh, that team was, there was one guy that reminded me, might've been the only defensive back that might've been a better athlete than Eric Wright to me. And that's Dale Carter. Oh, wow. What a freak of nature, man. Yeah, that, yeah, what a player! And they had, we had a huge secondary too. Um, I mean, we had that was a good team. We had we had we had a team that should have won this. That's well, was ridiculous. The game has changed a lot, and so it's kind of like when people ask me to compare basketball eras, I'm always like, "What rules are you using? Are you using the illegal defense and the two man ISO stuff? Or are you using yeah. today's spacing?" And it, it's really the same with football and quarterbacks, and people don't really understand, but. You played right. in an era where defensive backs could definitely do more coverage-wise, yeah. and and you were fair game. You know, defenders got two steps after you released the ball. Yeah. Um, they they could hit you here. They could hit you here. They could hit you in the knees. Um, and you you just said twenty seven surgeries. And I, I've I've had this conversation with you. I've had it with Elway. I've had it with Marino and others. Um, how? When you watch how protected quarterbacks are today, 
is you know does it feel weird does it feel better what what you know no, I mean, feel, we watch the game and we enjoy the game just like anybody else um you know sometimes you look at it a little bit different because i would i can't even begin to think about danny marino playing in today's age oh my gosh i mean look at all the things he did while he was playing man i think he's the most unsung guy that anybody ever talks about and that what he accomplished and, you know, during the tough time there and his receivers weren't very big. And yeah. Granted they were fast and quick and they could do the things that they needed to do with him. But I just can't imagine how long he would have played if you couldn't, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to watch the game still today, but it is different. And you know, what's so funny is like, you look at, I, when I, for the longest time, I still look back to the guys who played that kind of distance before me and look at the game then. Oh my gosh. They what they did to wide receivers back then, they throw them in jail today. I was having dinner about five years ago in Florida with Marino and a big group. And, you know, he's a Pittsburgh guy, you know, Dan, he yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. holding court. At one point we started talking about this and I go, Danny, if you played under today's rules, how many yards would you have thrown for? And he kind of just looked over and he goes, a fucking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They wouldn't, they had to back up the Brinks truck for Danny. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I mean, do you think about how many years you could have played under today's rules? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at all the injuries and you look back and I mean, we had guys who had a defensive back from, you know, I won't mention the team, but, you know, he would blitz and, they, and he would dive at the quarterback's plant leg in the front, like literally trying to take guys, blowing guys' knees out. It was crazy back then and crazier before. And yeah, I understand why they're trying to protect the quarterback because the only guys to end, it's always almost always standing still when they get hit. Right. But, and the guy who hits you is usually outweighs you by at least 150 pounds. And, you know, you don't have a chance to protect yourself. And that's was the difference before. Can a guy stand in there, throw the ball accurately, knowing that big sucker right there is going to plant me in the ground behind me. And I'm going to try to figure out how I'm going to protect myself after I throw the ball. Did anybody ever get that DB back? Whoever the enablist DB. Oh, there was a lot of fights when he was around. Yeah. When, when they would do it, the linemen went after him. A bunch of linemen would go after him all the time. It's, and it's just uncalled for. There's so many injuries, you know, in the game already. There's no need to try to hurt somebody. You are um, going to be part of this auction. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, coming up February 10th, I believe. And it's... Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's through the gold auction. It is uh, G-O-L-D-I-N, February Elite Auction. A uh, portion of the proceeds of what you sell will go to the Four Rings Montana Family Foundation, your great foundation, which supports local children's charities. Yep. Um, you're selling. I mean, I saw the list. It's. Re- I, I mean, I'll just that give a little. I'll give a little preview here. You can, if you want, out there, you can bid on or buy uh, the Super Bowl nineteen and twenty three jerseys, the real jerseys. Uh, a Super Bowl MVP trophy, uh, the ball. The, the, Go ahead. Jersey, the jersey, the 19 and I think it was 20, 
the 19 and the 23 jersey was the same jersey. You know, it's never been done before. What happened there was I had saved the jersey from the Super Bowl 19, and I was leaving to go to uh, Miami, and Jennifer packed it in my suitcase, unbeknownst to me, with a note saying, I think you might want to wear this. And you can, if you look at the game film, you can tell the difference because the stripes are so far apart on my sleeves, but they're real close on the other guy's sleeves. So I wore this. So I think it's the only time a, a jersey's been worn in the same suit in two different Super Bowls. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. First, um, yes, first, first of all, amazing, amazing move by Jennifer. Secondly, did Bronco or Ted Walsh or anyone know? Like, did anyone no. figure? No, uh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, there's so many things that, you know, you look around and everybody's going, well, why would you be doing this? And, you know, my, my kids have seen them so long and it's, you know, a lot of the stuff's in storage sitting there. And, and I get asked all the time, Hey, do you have this? You know, people are want to, or looking to buy things of yours. And one of the things about this is, Hey, you know, it's mine because it's coming from me and it's, and it's real. And, and, uh, it's things that I've been holding on to and the kids have taken little things that they wanted. And most important things, I got four rings and I got four kids and they're get So that's where those go. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you really planned that well. And considering I now work for the Chronicle where a columnist once infamously questioned your family planning because <laughs> Jennifer was going to give birth during the playoffs. <laughs> One of the worst things ever written, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you planned that well. Four rigs, four children. Perfect. Um, I see that the yeah, ball... I wish, I wish she would have stuck to her normal plan. She wanted six. <laughs> that might have been a good luck charm, right? Don't <laughs> blame it on Jen. <laughs> I feel like if you hadn't got traded, at six was attainable. But uh, well, that's what yeah. I told Eddie. I go, you know, I know you won another Super Bowl, but you know, if, if you, I'd have stuck around, we'd have won a lot more. <laughs> and I just kid with him all, all the time. <laughs> I can't see Eddie getting worked up about that somehow, though, at all. <laughs> I, yeah. So, the, I, in fact, one of the things you're selling is the football. We, we told the story of the touchdown pass against the Lions that got George yeah. Seifert to yell at Mike Shanahan, that football. Um, and, then, and then the jersey from your last ever game, which I was at, so it was we, you, you and Marino, New Year's Eve day. Yeah. So I, I kept both. Both my full uniforms from the last games I played in, the one in Detroit, the we played Detroit and the other one in Miami, and they we we actually Jennifer had, had them framed as a full full uniform on that we that we had in our weight room for the longest time. We ended up selling that house, and so things were just in storage sitting around. And I, I go to these autograph sessions, and people were going, "Hey, do you, do you still have that jersey, or do you have this helmet?" and um, all those things. And I go, yeah, I got a lot of that stuff. And I have shoulder pads that I wore forever that I took to Kansas city with me. If you look at them, you're, you won't even believe it. <laughs> and they have this, it's funny because they have this, uh, one of the guys said, why did you put that, uh, moleskin on your shoulder pads? I said, because when I would, I want to run the shoulder pads, because we didn't have skin tight jerseys, the shoulder pads would clang back and forth and they made noise going really crazy. So we put, we put the mole skin on there. Yeah, there's a, it's a lot of fun things, a bunch of trophies, a little, yeah, a bunch of good things. It, I mean, psychologically, it's, does it kind of help you 
not dwell on the past or, you know, or is it more spring yeah. cleaning vibe? Like, what's the vibe of getting rid of it? Just like it's time? Yeah, it's just time. You know, it's it's going to clutter the kid's house if something happens to me or Jennifer. They're just going to have to try to figure out what to do with it at the same time. And, you know, um, it, it's just was a decision to say, hey, we're we're slowing down here. I love watching football. Yeah, I love a little bit of looking back, but I try not to think about all the things. I think about the good times back then. What I wish I was playing still, absolutely, like everybody else who played the game. But I moved on. You know, I started a business and um, with one of my sons is one of the partners, and the other one started his own little uh, venture fund too. And the kids are all around us and the grandkids, and it's just – it's fun to, for them to look back and, but they've seen it enough. It's time to let other people enjoy it. I love it. Well, I'll let you go. Cause you've given me an insane amount of time, but uh, I just, before I let you go, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I, what is enough? He is so my wife's favorite player in the league right now, by far. I, I mean, I, I'm looking for something about him that I don't love, but I've yet to find it. I mean, he, he yeah. just seems like he's got the right temperament and does everything yeah. really well. He does, and, you know, and he just makes things happen with his feet, with his arms. I mean, throws the ball every way possible, known the man. Um, it, it's He's one of those guys when they're on TV, you want, you want to try to find him because they fun to watch, fun, fun to watch. And when you've talked to him, uh, is he chill? Like, what's the what's the vibe? Yeah, I haven't spoken much with him. Like I said, I've kind of, I, kinda, I, get, I most contact I make with people are usually at the Super Bowl pre pre days where all the guys are, I run into by accident somewhere. But other than that, I don't. I stay away from the game. Um, I watch it, but uh, it, it's in my past. I love my past and the game and what I played and the joy that came from it. And now it's time to enjoy my life going forward with, with the grandkids and the, and the kids and before it's too late, you know, and you look, when you watch all these guys die and young and, you know, I'll be 67 this year. So, um, my, I'm, I'm on that countdown phrase. I'm trying to extend it as far as you can, but you know, you're still on the countdown. You're, knowing, on, the, you're on the downhill side. Knowing you, you'll pull off the miracle ending and <laughs> outlive everyone. But I, uh, there's even a, there was, what's so funny is I'm not sure if it was listed in there and I'm not sure what their plan is, but I had this race car. I almost killed myself in. It was a formula Ford that we did it. I did an appearance for Audi when they were switching the cars out up at uh, Infinity, well, Infinity, I forgot, they've changed the name so many times, but- um, Sears, Sears Point up there? Yeah, and yeah. so they gave us one auction and one to take home. So we auctioned the one off at the event and then I brought one home. And one day, used to let the kids drive it faster than hell. Open wheel, open cockpit. Whoa. And I was I take it down to this straightaway and let him drive it back and forth. And I, there was a governor on it, right? So I turned the governor. They didn't know. So you could only go so fast, but they, uh, I was driving it and I was going, the kids would say, I'll meet you down the bottom of the hill. And I go, okay. And man, I was driving around the barn. I was looking for him. I couldn't find him. So I go down and the road by the Creek was like winding and I was getting on the gas. And then all of a sudden there's the kids in the, in this, uh, mule, Kawasaki mule. And there's no way I either go into the Creek or I go under the vehicle or I try to 
skirt around the side on one dead square into a tree. And (laughs) I had a big cut on my foot and fractured my fibula. Oh, (laughs) how long ago, how long ago was this? Now, this was a while ago <laughs> and we had a charity, we had a charity event that I was, Jennifer and I were sponsoring for our foundation. And, uh, I had to go there that night and, um, I had a bruised sternum from the, the big bruise on my chest from the hitting the steering wheel. I didn't, I didn't have the seatbelt on. Right. And I had the helmet on, but I didn't have it tucked. I didn't have, cause oh. I, wasn't, I didn't think I was going anywhere. And sure enough, when you least expect it. And so we ended up rebuilding it and, and figured it was, I better get rid of that too. <laughs> so yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm really glad you're still here. Uh, I I thought the one Bruce sternum from Letter Marshall was your worst sternum moment, but apparently uh, this yeah, one, the so. steering wheel probably tops it. Wow. Uh, Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Great talking to you. Thank you, Joe. I'll see you guys in Arizona. Say hi to all all your friends over there that I love, and uh, I, I appreciate you, man. I will do it. Take care. Thank you. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.